Hello and welcome back to Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and enjoying our kids to the glory of God. I'm your host, Kira Nelson, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it is summertime, and I hope that you've had some great opportunities to be outside with your family and just to enjoy each other. And we've had a lot of those opportunities. Last week, James and I went to a beach in North Carolina with our little crew, and we had a lot of fun playing together in the sand and splashing in the waves. And honestly, all of the days were really fun, even the rainy ones, and we had a few rainy ones in there. But the last day in particular stands out in my mind. We got to the beach pretty early before our checkout, and I have this really vivid image of my oldest son crouching down in the sand. I think he was making a canal for the water to go into or something, but he's crouching down in the sand, and the waves behind him are this beautiful kind of golden blue color, and the sky is painted pink by the sun. And beholding such beauty really causes me to marvel at my creator, a creator who makes beautiful things for us to enjoy, like the lovely foam of the waves or the pelicans flying above the surface of the water. On the second to last day, James watched the kids and I did a long run on a secluded part of the beach and in an area that had some wild horses. And in the direction that I was running, the skies were clear and they were sunny. But when I turned around, when I still had about four miles to get back to where James was with the kids, what greeted me were these huge billowing black clouds. And as I started to run back, confident that I could beat the storm, the heavens opened and the winds blew, and truly it was even an intense storm for me. I couldn't see in front of me and the pelting rain made my skin burn. And in those moments, I was really truly praying like, Lord, help me get out of this. But in those moments, it was very, very clear that no matter how fast I tried to run or how tough I tried to be, I was a creature, not the creator, and I was at the mercy of the elements. And praise the Lord, truly, by his mercy, there was a local who was driving her Jeep um, to get off that part of the island, and she saw me and actually two other people who were caught in the storm, and she offered us all rides back to our respective cars, which was such a blessing. Um, So thankful for that. But being in nature in both of those two experiences really make me marvel at the creator. You know, on the one hand, just the sheer loveliness of nature, the beauty, the intricacy, all of the just parts that make our sparkling makes me marvel at our Creator and His kindness and His gentleness at making these things for us. But it also causes me to stand in awe of the power and the might and the authority of the one who creates the wind and the waves and commands them, both of those experiences. And so today we're going to be talking with Erin Lynham. She is a certified master naturalist, which is super cool, all about how we can immerse ourselves in the natural world and how this immersion can quicken our hearts to sing the praises of the Lord of heaven and of earth. And then we're going to be discussing all kinds of really practical tips um, from bug spray to how to bird watch to how to manage all of the laundry in order to help us just to get outside and enjoy time with our little loves. So Erin is truly a lovely resource. She's recently written a beautiful book called Rooted in Wonder and she hosts the Nat 
video podcast for kids, which I highly, highly recommend. I've been listening to it with my kiddos. It's kind of fun for them to have a podcast that's their podcast. But basically what she does is she takes some element of nature, she'll talk to us about it, and then she'll explain how that can point us to the Lord. But today we're just going to get to talk to Erin all about nature hikes and invasive species and climate change, how to talk about climate change and how the absolutes that we see in nature can point our eyes and our gaze to our Lord who is absolutely true and whose whose truth never changes. So I think this is just going to be a really lovely and helpful um, podcast and I'm looking forward to you listening to it and us enjoying it together. So without further ado, here is Erin. So our main idea today that's going to be framing all of the way that we think about this discussion is that the created order that God has made, it's it's revealing to us who he is. The scriptures talk about how day to day the creation pours out speech. Night to night, it reveals the knowledge of who God is. And although we cannot understand God exhaustively through nature, it can illumine our hearts to his glory. Nature might lead us to thoughts of God, which spark curiosity that will guide us to his word. But nature itself is not a complete dictionary. Instead, it is an interpretive tool for our primary revelation. It is a commentary offering a broader understanding of what the scripture says, which is a quote from your book. And one of the things I love with my kids is how they are just naturally drawn to the outdoors. They seem to notice all the things I wouldn't see. Like my son Tommy today found a worm and was just thrilled about his worm. And last week we had these whole Play-Doh setups for potato bugs that we were so excited about potato bugs. And I have never been excited about potato bugs. (laughs) Um, But in our age of packed schedules with everything online, Kids are spending more and more time on screens and less and less time outside. So as moms, we're going to be talking about how we can seek to get our kids outside into nature and then how we can use the created order to point our own hearts and our children's hearts to the creator. My husband and I met in Bible college and during our training there, we were taught the two revelations that we have of God. So the first way God reveals himself to us is his living, active, inspired word, the scriptures. But there is a secondary, complementary revelation of God, which is nature, and that's called natural revelation. And that comes from Romans 1.20 that says that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world through what has been made so that we are without excuse. And so scripture is really where we see the gospel and where we come to know God. That's the primary revelation, but he's also given us evidence in nature and science and this secondary wonder-filled revelation to help us better understand who he is and how he cares for us, his children. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I think is so fun is that when I start, when I start reading my scripture with sort of a mind of seeing how the scripture might illumine what I'm seeing in creation and then also how creation might illumine my scripture, I just start to see so many more connections. And one of the things I think is startling is that our generation, the last kind of two generations, but particularly our generation are one of the first generations in history that have been 
so sheltered from the outdoors. So this morning I was reading in, uh, it just happened to be um, Proverbs 30. And Proverbs 30 makes all these connections to different animals about how how can you understand a, a deer upon the rocks or the might of a strutting rooster or the hego or whatever. And I love those images, especially thinking about our interview this evening. And the thing that I just really hit me is that it takes a degree of work for my kids and for me to see a strutting rooster or to see a deer on the heights or a he goat. But for most other generations, you just like walked outside and they were all right there. And so you you didn't, it wasn't quite so hard to have this connection between the two. Um, But yeah, I think, I think it's one of the things that as moms, we should be really pushing our families towards are these things that pull us away from the secular world and to the creator. And I think being in creation and observing animals, observing trees, observing potato bugs. I mean, even just the delight of a roly poly potato bug and does he like the dark or does he like the water and figuring those things out. I think all of that is so good for us. And it's something that we should be fighting for as moms. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I think that the world we're living in, this high-tech, media-driven world, generations beginning with ours, like ours is the first generation of parents really navigating this high-tech world, but every future generation is going to be dealing with this. And so I I think it's beautiful that we kind of get to forge a way, that we get to forge Mm -hmm. a path and find a good way to do this and create balance, really good, healthy, spiritual balance in our homes. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think spending time outdoors can strengthen the faith of our families? Nature is full of evidence for God. And the more I dig into it, the more I see that. Like, I love that you mentioned the roly polies because I've actually been studying roly polies also. <laughs> yeah, for for an upcoming Nat Theo episode. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. we will love that episode. I was so excited. Yeah, it was actually inspired by my eight-year-old son because he came to me one day and goes, mom, did you know that roly polies aren't bugs? And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, no, they're crustaceans. They're like a crawdad. I was like, what? My whole life. Wow. I did not know that. Right. So we're going to use that to talk about how things are not always what they seem and you need to get back to its identity and really look at the details of what it is and how God created it. And, you know, there's so much that can go along with that. But I just love that as you look at the details of nature, you see how careful God is in his designs and you begin to see him as the great architect and engineer and inventor and designer and artist. And you just get to see God in this new wonder-filled way. And I just believe that that can really strengthen our kids' faith because it's tangible. Kids take things in and remember them through their senses. And so if we can take them outdoors, teach them about what God has made and anchor biblical truth in that, they're going to remember it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And the other thing I love is that it will strengthen my faith because ultimately I can't save my kids and I can't control what's going to happen to them. And there are going to be horrible things that happen in my life. There there are going to be all kinds of trials. And I think there's something so beautiful about how so many of these things that we're doing for our kids are honestly just so enriching for our own faith. Like just even as you were saying, the roly poly is like a crustacean. I was thinking, oh yeah, it kind of is. It's got the ridges on its back and it's, it's like a little crawdad. Like I can just totally picture them together and, and how that illumines my heart to the creator who loves me. 
And I think in some sense, it's like the Lord says, okay, I've given you these two revelations of who I am. And the scripture is life-giving and active and 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 come and read the word and then go out and worship me in creation. And just how the Psalms are filled with people who are who describe God using his created world, that he's he's like a mounted eagle, that he rides on the clouds, just like all these images. And that when my faith is strengthened and when I have such a wonder in the creator, when those seasons of pain come, which will certainly come, when I'm in horrible situations, when my circumstances have changed, I can remember the things that I have been taught and those can encourage me to delight myself in the Lord and seek him and seek joy in him no matter what happens. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the things I really liked in your book is that you have a section on climate change. And I really appreciated just the way that you kind of talk to your readers through that and helped us see it in a way that points us to the Lord. So I wonder if you can just discuss that a little bit. How do you think about climate change as um, a master naturalist? And then how do you talk to your kids about it? Thank you. Yeah, this was so just fascinating to dive into from a biblical perspective. And I believe it's so important to have a biblical view on this to discuss it with our kids, because this is a important topic in today's society. And if we're not intentional about it, our kids can just cave to the fear and all of this information, a lot of it false that is out there. And so to give them some framework and so when I talk with my kids about it, like I explain to them that I really think climate change started in the Garden of Eden. Like we look at when sin cursed the world and that this whole planet was bent on destruction and decay. Like that changed the structure and the systems of our planet forever. And so I think that things have been changing since then. And then after the global flood, that would have been the biggest climate change event in history. Like all this seismic and volcanic activity and an ice age to follow all of these changes, uh, catastrophic changes on our planet. And so even the things that we're seeing now, like it makes sense to me because we live on a broken planet, things are changing. And so to give our kids that framework from scripture, and then also more importantly, to assure them, God is sovereign and God is making all things new. This broken, decaying planet is not all there is for us. That when we place our hope in Christ, that we get to experience the new heavens and the new earth. So really just bringing them back to the facts. Like we even look at between around 800 and 1200 AD, there was another warming period on our planet even more so than we're seeing now. And of course that was before the burning of fossil fuels. So giving our kids real facts like that, so that they can understand that perhaps this isn't, perhaps it's a bit overblown. Perhaps the facts aren't what they seem like giving them real facts to stand on. And more importantly, bringing them back to scripture and bringing them back to the God who is in control and who makes all things new. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's really helpful to, to just remind our kids that this world is broken and to, to not be afraid of these things. 
Because I think one thing that sometimes can happen as moms is we just want to protect our kids from everything that's false. So sometimes even we'll be reading a book um, about a religion that isn't our religion, and I'll be a little bit, oh, I don't really want to talk about this with my kids. But I think it's really important for us not to be afraid, to not have a spirit of fear, but to say this is the truth, and we don't need to be afraid of the truth. And we we serve a God who is sovereign and is control over all things. So I really appreciate that. Can you describe what a wonder conservationist is? Yeah, that's a... Uh term that I coined in the book. And so when we look at conservation, that of course being the preservation of nature and what God has made and really protecting it and nurturing it, going back to Genesis 2.15, when God placed Adam in the garden to tend and keep and take care of it. And so we are, as God's children, stewards of what he has made. And I talked about nature being evidence for God. And so I think conservation is a gospel issue because we want to protect everything God has made so we can use it to point others, including our kids to him. But also like, it is so important to protect what he's made, but also to conserve, protect our God-given wonder. And I really believe God places this into us and somewhere along the line, like this happened with me, that sense of wonder really tarnishes. And it was my kids who reawakened that within me. And as I started getting outside and seeing those details of nature, just being more and more drawn to my creator through what he had made and just reawakening that sense of wonder. And so I believe it's our job as parents to not let that sense of wonder and awe and amazement in our kids decay, but to fuel it, to encourage it. And so if you see your child is drawn to birds, like they have a question about a bird, follow that. Like that happened with my oldest son and God just took it so far. Like we learned so much about birds and about God through birds. And we went on a three day um, birding workshop together up in the mountains and, and another son is interested in rocks. And so we just dug just full force into rocks and geology, just seeing what your child is interested in and encouraging that in order to conserve their sense of wonder. And you also do activities with your kids to take care of the earth. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. Um, like this past Earth Day, we knew there was a little area down the street from us along the creek that we had just seen a lot of trash. And so we went over there and we just started picking up trash. And another one that we do is when we're along the river or the lakes, we get the old fishing line out of the trees because a lot of times birds will use that for their nest, but it's really dangerous. They'll strangle in it. And so whenever we see fishing line, we clean it up and throw it away. And we just talk about like, this is our job as stewards of God's earth. We want to protect what he has made one because he calls it good. God made everything and called it good. So we should also, and two, because it serves as evidence. And my kids have seen that as I lead nature hikes and they're along for the ride. Of course, they've seen how I use nature to point others to God. And so they understand the importance of protecting those materials. Yeah. One of the other things I know that you did with your kids recently and that you describe also in your writing, but is you plant native plants and you try to plant a lot of native plants. Can you talk a little bit about native plants and then some of the things the Lord has taught you through studying native plants versus invasive species? Absolutely. This has been such a fun um, endeavor for my family. It started actually in our old home that we knew was temporary. We knew we were only going to be there about a year or two, but we wanted to put in a little garden. And so I started researching some native plants that we could put in. And for one, the plants, when they're planted in their own ecosystem where they belong, 
They make that ecosystem so much stronger and more vibrant and healthy. They attract all the right insects, which then supports the birds, which then supports the bigger predators, like everything working together as it's supposed to be. And so when we moved to our new home about a year and a half ago, and we have a little tiny bit of land and by a lake and a creek and much more to work with. And so we've put in two of those native plant gardens and just talking with my kids about how we can thrive when we're planted where God intends us to be like where he has us. That's where we're going to thrive and be our strongest and best in community. And it's, it was so interesting a couple years ago, God just helped me make this connection in my mind. So we have native plants and those are plants that they're where they belong. They help the ecosystem. They do really well there. Um, they're contributing to the habitat. And then you have invasive species. And these are plants that have been brought in, um, whether it be intentionally or on the wind or by the birds, they're not supposed to be there. And you might not even know it looking at them. They might look beautiful, but they can cause real damage to the ecosystem. And so I started to think about how technology and media can be a lot like invasive plants. And there's three main connections. So when you look at technology and you look at invasive plants, both are a relatively new challenge and issue. So invasive plants were brought in within the past couple hundred of years and technology, of course, we've seen it in our generation. Like I remember getting my first flip phone at age 14 and really just this rise of tech ever since like that, the iPhone and the iPad. So a new issue and just like ecologists are scrambling to figure out how to control invasive plants. We as parents are scrambling to figure out how to control technology in our homes. And the second connection being that both came with good intentions Invasive plants were brought in to lend exotic beauty to our gardens. Technology came with a lot of great applications and benefits. Like we're using it right now to put, produce this podcast. So there's a lot of good benefits from it. But the third and really important connection is that left unchecked, both devour the landscape. So invasive plants don't have their natural predators that they would in their natural habitat. So they just start eating everything up, chasing out the native species and really taking over. Like we have one here in Colorado called cheatgrass and it, it looks beautiful, like these hillsides of grass, but it chases out our native plants and it's highly flammable. And we already have mm -hmm. issues with wildfires here. So it can be devastating. And the same is true with technology that if we don't, control it and balance it, it just devours the landscape of childhood. And in the book, I talk about childhood is 936 weeks long from birth to 18. And the average child today is spending 205 of those weeks. It's about 20, almost 22% of their childhood with a device. And you can see how, like, if we don't become super intentional about this and start making changes that it just devours our kids time. But that's the, that's the thing is we can make these intentional small changes, just like restoring a habitat. It takes intentionality and work and time, but we can bring back balance to childhood. Mm, absolutely. 
So to the listeners, I would just recommend that you check out Erin's material because there's so many more things I would love to chat with her about, but we're not going to get to it. One thing I will just mention that I appreciate about you, Erin, is that I think I sent you an email on a Saturday night at one point. And I got this message back from you that said, I don't check my email on the Sabbath. And I think sometimes it's also for us that, you know, I can tell my kids, you know, you're not going to be on a screen, but I can be like, well, I just have to be on my phone because I have to know what's going on and I have to text these people and maybe my sister's going to call or whatever. But for us also to say, no, we, we are very addictable also. And I can be so addicted to my technology. So setting in place limits like, um, you know, Instagram's lovely, but for me, I don't look at Instagram on Sunday. Sunday's my day. I just don't look at it at all. And I think, I think it's really helpful, not just for our kids, but also for our own hearts, because if we aren't intentional, our delight in the Lord can be choked out by this world. And there's so much of that on a screen. And so putting up those barriers, kind of weeding some of those invasive species, invasive tendencies out of our own hearts and out of our own lives, out of our own schedules, so that these other things that the Lord intends to take up more of our brain space can thrive. Exactly. So also, Erin, I'd love to ask you about how some of these experiences in nature can really help our kids and demonstrate to our kids absolute truth in a society that is so prone to relativism. And also love for you to share how it's encouraged your own heart as a Christian who seeks to follow the Lord in a society where it is really hard to say this is morally right and this is morally wrong. Mm-hmm. This has been such a huge lesson for my family and something that just so strongly drew me to nature because I began to see in it all of these absolute truths and these natural laws that God has put into place and how those laws and systems and yes, boundaries and limits are for our own good. Like you think of a river system and it has these banks that rain in the water, but what is it doing? It's funneling life. And we read in Job that it is bringing water to the land and satisfying the land with the fruit of God's work. And so you need those boundaries like a riverbank to funnel what is good into our lives and protect us from what is not good. And so I talk about how nature really, when we give our kids these exposures and experiences, they come face to face with that. And I love, there's this quote in George Orwell's classic novel, 1984. And that book was all about doing away with absolute truths and history. And and what he wrote was the solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard and water is wet. And we see that God has designed things so carefully. And I share this story of when this really just became so real to me. We were up exploring this beautiful mountain lake in Rocky Mountain National Park here in Colorado. And we've been to this lake many times. And my husband went ahead with our three boys to the lake to go fishing. And my daughter and I hung back. There's some little creeks by the parking lot that we were exploring. And eventually we went to rejoin the boys. And we rounded the corner in the trail to this wild scene because there is my husband and three young boys and this mama moose with her calf, like right by them. And my husband explained to me what had happened just a moment before we walked in. They had just been fishing in the lake like usual. And this yearling calf moose came running out of the woods right toward my boys. And my husband, he grew up in the wild, so he knew what to do. And he got them out of the trajectory of this young moose. But he also knew that by the age of this moose, its mama was around. And so my husband is scanning the woods looking for mama. And sure enough, she comes out of the woods huffing and puffing and her ears pinned back, 
just like tromping down the trail toward them. So Grayson quickly got the boys out of their way so that the mama moose could rejoin her calf and get it a safe distance away. But these experiences, and we've had other encounters with moose and mountain lions and bears, they always show me we don't get to tell nature what to do. We don't get to project kindness on that moose and say, no, 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 you're you're a kind moose. You're not going to hurt my family. No, it, it has instincts and these natural laws in this order that it's going to follow. And it, it shows my kids, like whether we are out hiking and the weather changes, we don't get to decide what it's going to do. We have to, co- we have to cooperate with what God has designed in nature. And I just love that it shows them there are these definitive lines and there is absolute truth etched into the natural world. All right, Erin. So let's talk about practically some ideas for getting our families nature inspired. Um, Can you start first with perhaps sharing some favorite nature inspired books or poems or songs? Yeah, we, we have so many nature books in our home. Um, It's hard to pick them, but some that I've really enjoyed are the wildlife anatomy books by Julie Rothman. And then also the um, outdoor school books. There's I think three or four of them now. One is animal watching, one is camping and hiking, and then fossils and gemstones. And in these, I will preface, some of them are going to bring in some evolutionary theory. And like you were saying, we shouldn't be afraid of that with our children, but we should enter into it with them. And I've had so many good conversations with my kids around these things, but these books are rich with such good details and pictures. And so I don't want to steer away from them. I want to enter that conversation with them. Um, so those ones are really great. I, I really enjoyed case for the creator for kids. And I went through that with my boys. Um, my oldest was probably about eight at the time and just really rich conversations about all of the evidence that we have for our creator in creation. And so those are ones I've done with my kids. And then one I loved for myself is by Dr. Matthew Sleeth, and it is called reforesting faith. And he goes on this nature walk through the Bible and looks at the symbolism of trees throughout scripture. And it was just fascinating. Um, I do have more book recommendations on my website at erinlinem.com slash bookshelf. I share a lot of the books that my family has enjoyed and has brought us deeper into this. But poems and songs, my answer is the same for both. And that is, this is my father's world. And that started as a poem and was later turned into a hymn and is a big piece of my book. Just beautiful, beautiful imagery of the world that God has made. That's one of my all-time favorite poems and and hymns also. Um, I just think it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful to remember the, the birds, their carols raise, and that when the world isn't all as it seems, which it certainly won't be at all points during our lives, that it's still our, our father's world. And that our time in the outdoors and our time reflecting on our beautiful creator is just preparing us for whatever God has in store, whether it's, you know, birds chirping and being lovely and little boys being delightful, or it's a child getting a cancer diagnosis and, you know, hours and hours and hours inside of a hospital when we'd rather be outside. But that all the time that we spend reflecting on our creator and really delighting in him is all just a gift that is preparing us for whatever God has for us. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Do you have some activities or a few ideas for getting kids outside? 
Yeah, yeah. I'll mention a few that are in the book. So at the end of every chapter, I did a section called Step Outside. And it's two parts. It is see nature in the Bible. And that's like a short devotional or Bible study you can do with your child to start exploring those rich nature narratives in scripture and how Jesus used nature and all the gospels to teach truth. And then the second part is see God in nature. And those are those practical hands-on activities. And one that I've loved doing with my kids is going on a scavenger hunt for a new life, especially in the spring. And you can go out and draw a picture or write down just every sign of life that you see, whether it's birds building nests or buds opening up on trees or tadpoles in the pond and talking about how God is the bringer of new life, that after hard seasons like winter, he always brings new life. And another one we've done going along with what we talked about, seeing absolute truth in nature and how that really comes from seeing the details of nature. I think it's important that we teach our kids and train them in observing things as they are and stating them as they are. And so one little activity I've done is you can encourage your child to, well, first you need to take them to a natural area. So whether that's the woods or the, the beach or a creek or even a grassy area down by the park, and then encourage them to go a safe distance away where you still know they're safe, you can see them and to choose something natural they see, whether it be an insect or a flower or a bird, and then to come back to you and describe it to you and use all the different words you can. Like what color was it? How big was it? Was it singing? What did it smell like? What was it doing? Was it dancing or swaying? And just really encourage those descriptive words. And then you get to guess what it is. And then they can take you to see it. And then it's your turn. You get to pick something and you can introduce them to some more descriptive words and just really teaching them to see those details of nature and to state something how it is. And after you've played that a little bit, you can even take it to the next level and go to the library and get some local guidebooks for birds and insects and flowers. And so when you learn something, then you get to attach a name to it. And that just, we care about creation so much more when we know its name. When my family started bird watching three years ago, we we had never cared about birds so much because now we knew their names and their songs and their behaviors and their attitudes. And so really just familiarizing ourselves with the details and the names of nature. Oh, I love it. I love it. So um, how would you encourage a mom who loves everything we're saying, who agrees with it all, but she lives in an urban area? This was such an important thing to address in the book because that's part of my history I have not always lived in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Um, my husband and I have been married almost 14 years and lived in 10 different areas and homes. And that includes like the third story of an apartment building in a dangerous neighborhood that I couldn't even walk outside with the kids. So we've had all these different experiences. And when we were living in Kansas City, Missouri, and we had a home there, that's really when our love for nature took root. And we were like right in the city. And so what we did was we would find every pocket of nature that we could. There was this little three mile nature walk um, with a little tiny waterfall. So we visited that once or twice a week. We would walk along the river, even if it meant driving an hour and spending a whole day somewhere, finding those pockets of nature and making them your own. And then another way is you can bring nature indoors. I have a whole chapter on this because there's so many things that we can do and it's okay if you don't feel outdoorsy and don't know where to start. Like hopefully this, this episode gives you some places to start with my podcast or resources or the book, but just choose one activity and go do that with your child 
and see what God does with it. Yeah, I love that. So Erin, I'm going to ask you a question I haven't given you in advance. So maybe you can think about it for a second, but do you have any like practical tips for how to be okay with the grossness of being outside? So I'll give one for, for me while you're thinking, but, um, one of the realities of outside is that there are a lot of mosquitoes. There's, um, a lot of dirt, a lot of rain. So for me, one of the things that I've found really helpful is just to embrace that I'm going to be sweaty and I'm going to be yucky and my kids are going to be super dirty and I'm going to do a lot of laundry. And that mentally just helps me knowing we're all going to be outside together. We're all going to get dirty and then we're going to spend like three or four hours out there and then we're going to come inside and I'll take a bath and then I can put everything in the wash. And it just, that helps me mentally. Do you have anything like that that you would recommend for if you're really not a bug person or, you know, those sorts of things? First, I love that perspective. Like, let's just go all in. (laughs) Um, I relate to it too. I hate is a strong word, but I think I do hate having bug spray on me. I don't like the smell. I think it's sticky, but if it means that I get to go outside and make these memories with my kids, that's what I do. I say, okay, this is a day I'm wearing bug spray and I will take a shower after. And I, I just have to embrace it. Um, if it means I get to have those experiences. So that perspective piece is huge. And also just an awareness. Um, so for one, like I don't like touching spiders, like I'll watch them and they're, they're interesting, but I don't want to hold them. And so it's okay to tell your kids that like, if they bring you a spider and they're like, mom, look at this, hold this. You can totally say, "Mm, that's really cool. I don't want to hold it. And just, it's okay to have things that you prefer to study and watch in nature and things that you don't. So we've gotten to our bonus question and we have been talking about fun activities throughout, but do you have an activity that you particularly enjoy doing with your kids and even causes you to just really enjoy them? Definitely bird watching. My family, I mean, we're obsessed at this point. (laughs) And I think I mentioned my son really got into birds and my husband went right with him into bird watching. And before I knew it, we were all hooked. And so a few weekends ago, we participated for the third year our third year in a annual statewide bird watching competition and our boys enter as a youth team. And the two years prior, they had not met their personal goal that they set this year. They blew it out of the water. They wanted to see 45 species in 24 hours and they found 70 species. And it's just this fun filled day for our whole family to drive all around our County and count birds and like find those things that your family likes doing together. And there might be some failures at first, but just find those things. And so when we're bird watching, I love that our kids, for for one, they're seeing those details of nature. They need to be able to tell between the different eyebrow marks of species and sparrows and these little differentiations between all these wonderful things that God has made. And then also, of course, you're hearing all of that bird song, especially during migration and um, mating season. And one thing I love about birds is how they praise their creator. Like we see in scripture that all of creation praises the creator, but birds in particular, they have a different voice box than us humans. So we have our voice box and vocal cords, but birds actually have this, it's called a syrinx. And it's like these two compartments from their voice box that allows them to make two sounds simultaneously. That's how their songs are so complex and beautiful because like the wood thrush, he can actually make a rising tone and a, what is it? I'm not very musical, but a rising tone and a falling tone at the same time simultaneously. 
And so it's just beautiful to surround our kids with these colors and the activities of birds and their behaviors and these songs and just allow them to be completely absorbed in the wonders of what God has made. That is so fun. That is so fun. I love that. I love that. If I can mention too, Kira, um, I did create like this beginning bird watcher guide for kids. And so it can really walk you through like, if you're like, that sounds wonderful, but I can't tell a sparrow from a hawk. That's okay. Like, so on my website at erinlinum.com slash free, I have a devotional called taking flight and it's boldly following God's plans. And it's actually devotional based on bird migration. And then at the end is this one week guide for getting into bird watching with your children. I loved it. I love going through your website and I just recommend everyone does because who doesn't love beautiful free activities to do with your kids? Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's really fun. And also everyone should go listen to the bird migration podcast with your kiddos and make sure you have four quarters because it will really cement in your mind and in your kid's mind what these birds do. But yeah, Erin, I just really appreciate everything that you're putting online and um, just your desire to point people to a creator who is good and glorious and so worthy of worship and wonder. Um, and how birds do that. Just watching birds can can really point us to the Lord. Yes, thank you. So yeah, Erin, just thank you so much for your time. Would you mind praying for us um, and asking that God would bless us as we seek to behold him all the more in his creation? Absolutely. And thank you, Kira. This has been a very fun conversation for me too. (laughs) Heavenly Father, God, our creator, Lord, you are so good. And God, you give us this incredible work of motherhood that truly is delightful. And God, it doesn't feel like that every day. Sometimes it's really hard to see, but this work is full of your wonder that we get to watch these children grow up and draw near to you and that we get to shape them according to your word and your grace, that we get to nurture them, Lord, from seedling to sequoia, that we get to enter into this holy work. God, just sustain us. Every listener, Father, just everyone who listens to this podcast, I pray that they will be encouraged, that they will not be overwhelmed because Satan, that's what he does. He wants to overwhelm us so much that we don't take a next step. So God, just melt away that overwhelm and show each listener a next step, an activity that they can do with their child today, something that will help them get outside and start reconnecting those dots between your creation and you as our creator. And God, we trust that your word does not go void, return void. And we know that as we go out into your created world, which reflects the beauty and truth of your word, Lord, that it will produce goodness in our children and it will point us to your truth. So Lord, just sustain us and encourage us in this work that we would see the fruit of these efforts, that we would see our children drawing near to you as we do alongside them. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being on the program today, Erin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And until next time, sisters, may we delight ourselves in the Lord as we delight in the calling that he is giving us.